Hello everyone, welcome to the Saber Metrics Podcast. Uh, this is going to be our fourth episode of Season 2. Bunch of Sabres topics to cover. I'm here alongside Bill. How you doing, Bill? I'm doing well, man. It's uh, good to talk to you again, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this one because we, uh, we have a lot to talk about. Definitely. I think the first thing that we wanted to get into was the Sabres trading for Malcolm Subban. Uh, it was traded for future considerations, which means nothing um and it came out today that craig anderson is now out month to month it was an upper body injury we don't i, I think maybe I, did he take a shot off the neck was it uh, I, I believe it might be and he's he's out month to month um so this is really good depth for the sabers because there's been some some issues between the pipes and um, we'll, we'll get into that into that a little bit more but what was your first reaction when you you saw malcolm suban was coming to buffalo I mean, I was never really someone that wanted to give up a lot for uh, goaltending, especially with, like, uh, just kind of, like, where the Sabres are at this season, kind of in a rebuilding year. So I think just picking up a guy like Malcolm Subban for basically free, I think that's a solid move. I mean, at least at least it gets you uh, Aaron Dell out of the net. And UPL, too, I mean, there's some people pushing for him, but, I mean, he's been abysmal some nights in rochester so i wouldn't really trust him in that either so just having a guy like saban to uh come up kind of hold over the position until uh Tukarski comes back i mean i don't know if, if we'll see craig anderson back since they just announced that he's month to month but yeah i mean really can't complain with the move i mean it's pretty much a free asset i mean i don't think suban's gonna blow anyone away with his numbers but I mean, at least he's a body. At least he's not Aaron Dell, I guess. Yeah, I mean that's that's one thing to to kind of praise management for. They saw an issue, and instead of just being like, "Well, we're in a rebuild year, so we're just not going to address this at all," they addressed it, and it's that's really important for like the the team to know that their management isn't just turning a blind eye to this. Like it was an issue, and they're addressing it now. Again, it's it's Malcolm Subban, so it's not a huge move but at the same time it really does help you know kind of mitigate the the absolute leaky dam that was was going there because it was about the burst open and and realistically just kind of the way they're struggling right now I mean we all saw last year with their massive losing streak I just don't want to see them go through that again and I think this is a good way of addressing it and he's not gonna he's not gonna steal you a ton of games either so like you know he's not gonna look terrible i would assume i mean we still need to see you know kind of how the team plays in front of them because that that's also a big factor but it just seems like the team doesn't play well in front of dell because they kind of know like if one or two go in like if they excuse me if they score one or two or three or four like 
they just need to keep scoring and scoring and scoring. And that's just that's tough after a while. I mean, we keep seeing them score four goals in a game and lose. I mean, that's just that's really tough. Um, so I'm hoping that this can kind of uh, you know mitigate it. And especially Dustin Dustin Tokarski, excuse me, he just seems more of like a sprinter. Like he can give you like a couple really really good starts and stand on his head and essentially beat the Pittsburgh Penguins by himself. Um, but then he, he kind of juices out. I mean, he's not a, he's not a starter, and it's a it's a grueling process for goalies, especially if you're the starter. You know, he's just not not someone that can carry sixty games a season, fifty games a season. He needs some help in there. So it's it seems like it's going to be by committee. Um, kind of gives them a little bit more insurance for for injuries, anything like that. Um, maybe they just want to see you know someone like Aaron Dell to be down in Rochester to back up UPL because they don't want to take, you know, maybe they don't want Michael Hauser to, to be the backup down there in, in Rochester. I don't know, but it was just a good move overall. And like you said, they didn't spend any assets. So um, moving quickly along to the Reinhardt revenge game, I think that's what we're going to call it because he put up one goal, three assists for four points. Not surprised. Florida's really, really good. Um, but they were. Yeah, Jerry, don't tell Jerry Sullivan about that game. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, he was he's the highest paid player on the on the Panthers, right? Except not. Um but when it comes to when it comes to Florida, it was something that was mentioned to Don Granado, and I wanted to get your take on this. Someone mentioned, I can't remember who it was, said or or I guess it was before the game, excuse me, basically saying like they're they play like what you want your team to play like. They just have a lot more depth and they're really good at it. And Granado said, yes, that's, you know, kind of how we want to play. And obviously they dominated the Sabres last night. I mean, is that something that you can kind of see in the works with with the style of play that, that Florida plays? Like, obviously the Sabres aren't as good at it. But is that something that you've kind of seen glimpses of? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think like, Sabres, when they play bad teams, I think you kind of get a showing – like the Florida Panthers last night, I mean, that first game against Montreal, the Sabres were flying out there. And I think just with Florida, I mean, just their processing speed, just how fast they play, just how, like, attack-minded the defensemen are, how they're able to just shut off everything. I think that's definitely something that Don Granado's trying to do here in Buffalo. But, I mean, the talent level in Buffalo, I mean, it, honestly, it's just brutal. I mean, we could talk about how fun these guys are to watch, but when your best forward this season has been Tage Thompson... I mean, he'd probably be like the seventh or eighth best forward on Florida right now. So, I mean, really just working on continuing building up that depth, which I think Kevin Adams has done a pretty decent job doing. I mean, Quinn and Paterka, great season in the AHL. I mean, don't forget about Peyton Krebs either. Um, a bunch of high draft picks coming in the next two drafts. I think, I mean, with savvy drafting, I mean, you got Sam Ventura involved in the draft process now. I mean... I think you're going to be able to build up that forward depth. And with your active defensemen like Power and Darlene, I think you could get a similar blue line too. So that Florida model is definitely the one I'd follow. And it's great to see that's how Don Granato wants to play too. It is refreshing. I also, it's also refreshing to any time. Maybe, maybe he definitely doesn't mean it. I think he's far past it. He doesn't think about this anymore. But I love when he says something that's just essentially completely contradictory to what Ralph Kruger would preach. Yeah. Don will be like, we can't do blank. And then it's the like, system. what are you saying we can't do? 
is something that Ralph was like very, very yeah. strict about. And it's just, it's just, it warms my heart mostly because he, yeah, I mean, that's I mean, kind of the problem with uh, Kruger. I mean, just with like the system, I mean, I think he tried being like <laughs> Daryl Suter or something, but just like a it Dollar Tree ears. version. Yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> oh man. That's true. I mean, that's, that's a very good point. He's like a Dollar Tree Daryl Sutter. Um, yeah. I mean, really just, yeah, uh, just not wanting to change his tactics at all. I mean, sticking yeah. with system. But I mean, the big difference between the two is that Kruger's system never worked, and he would never stray away from it. Do you think Granado would have played Skinner with Eichel? Like once, like once, for like a period of games? Because like the bar was so low, all you needed to do was play them together for like two games, and you would already do more than what Ralph Kruger put them together. Like... I'm still so salty about that. I can't. We're we're not even yeah. what ten minutes in, eight minutes in, whatever, and I'm and I'm already <laughs> going off about what what's already gone. I mean, yeah. I mean, Granado seems to love uh, Skinner because I mean he's playing him on that line with Thompson mm-hmm. and Olsen, which gets most of their big minutes. He's on the top power play unit, so yeah. I mean, if Granado was around when Eichel was still playing, I think yeah, we definitely see those two reunited. Oh man. What could have been? I mean, we weren't going to talk about it, but Eichel's back skating, which he was doing before the surgery, but I think people are um, you know, yeah. kind of mentioning it now. And then I think something came out about Tyler Johnson needing the same thing, and he got it done too, or he's getting it done or something like that. Yeah, I think he just got it done actually. He just got it done. Today, I, think. I mean, yeah. Tyler Johnson, good player, but he's, I mean, he's not Jack Eichel. So, um, yeah, I yeah. mean, I think that's honestly, I think that's going to be the future of the surgery. Really just because, I mean, from what I've read, I mean, I'm no spinal surgeon myself, but it sounds like with uh, the surgery Eichel got, I mean, since it's kind of just an artificial disc, I mean, if they mess up, they could just take it out and they could either do that surgery again or they could just do the uh, spinal fusion. But I mean, if you do a fusion and you mess up, I mean, that's like your bones healing together. So you're kind of screwed. So I think, I don't think the risk with the surgery is as big as, people in the sabers have made it out to be because it's not like if the surgery ends up going wrong it's not like he's gonna die or something it's not like he's not gonna be able to move anymore they're just gonna have to either do it again or find an alternative so i think with like more and more evidence coming out since this is a fairly new surgery i think it's going to be one that's going to become a lot more common uh in the nhl and i think jack eichel will be kind of like the pioneer towards that movement to like more inventive surgeries hey good for him i mean he was passionate about it, and he was like, "This is my body. This is what I want to do." And good on him. I don't. I still don't. I don't really get why the Sabers won't let him have it. I mean, they they have final decision, and that's their right. And so you have to respect that. Like, I don't like that because, like, it's the player's yeah. body. Like, I don't like that, but that's what the rule is. So, I mean, they're following the rules, um, which is, I mean, something to be said for that. I mean, what are yeah, what I mean, are rules if like... they're unjust? But yeah, um, I mean that might be bound to change in the next CBA. I mean, I, I think feel it's like, gonna be a hard sticking point yeah, for sure. Might end there's up no way that be. discussion doesn't come up. No, 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 no chance. I mean, maybe the NHL will try to like hide away from it and act like it's not a big deal, but it's a big deal. It's a yeah. big deal for, <laughs> for players because I think for all the people that kind of came out in support of Jack, there's hundreds more that haven't said anything um, or just yeah. you know kind of mentioned it to him. So um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I w- I would be surprised if there were any kind of like chunk of players that were against this or like against like his rights. I'm sure they're all in the same 
boat like no let him do what yeah, he wants probably so. not a single one honestly yeah, yeah so i mean like that's he's got the entire nhl body against him you know the, the guys that are actually playing the games so i mean hey good for him he got the surgery and he's gonna i would assume he's gonna do great things down in vegas and everyone in buffalo is going to be upset including me so just and it, it'll be a it's like the same thing with the reinhardt thing it's like why did it have to come to this that's why i hate the reinhardt yeah. trade so much as much as i love devin levi or levy or levi um and whoever they they draft with uh what i guess it would be next year's pick because it's not going to be top 10 that's for 32nd sure. overall yeah pick probably um, you know i have nothing against them but why did it have to come to this man they should have just signed him long term yeah. and this actually leads me in to something uh, jack hughes signed eight years eight million dollars uh per year 60 64 million dollars holy crap i had to check my math there uh, 64 million dollar contract over eight years um what first? What do you think about Jack Hughes getting eight years, eight million dollars for the Devils? Um, he's only played a handful of games, maybe like three, four games this season because um, of injury. And uh, but what what do you think? First overall pick in twenty nineteen, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, he's now locked up for the next eight years. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I just think I honestly think he's such a good player. I mean, I remember watching him in his draft year. Uh, he was a bit of a unique top prospect just because of how young he was relative to his draft mates and kind of how like raw he was physically. But I mean, now that he's getting more comfortable with the NHL, he's turning his great transition game to actual results. I mean, I think they got just an incredible player on their hands. And I think it's a little similar to the Eichel deal, but I think it's kind of less of a risk because it's less money. And I think Hughes might honestly be at the same level as Eichel when uh, he uh, got off his ELC, so I think it's, I think it's a really good bet by the Devils. I mean, it could be a great looking contract, like maybe even next season when it kicks in or the year after. I mean, eight million for a potential star player is pretty affordable in my mind. The like the two people I thought about once I heard this come out were Nathan McKinnon, which like obviously Jack Hughes is not. They're they're paying for potential. Here. So, like, I'm not saying they're he's on the same level as these guys. It just it brought to my mind Nathan McKinnon, David Pasternak. Um, there's another guy that that's real cheap. I, I hate to say it because he's annoying as hell, but, but Brad Marchand. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's just that could be a steal. That could be a an absolute steal for the New Jersey yeah. Devils. Um, I mean, the cap's going soon. up too. I mean, yeah. I don't know how much longer the cap's flat for, but I don't think it's very long. So, I mean, that's. Kind of like, I mean, like Crosby's deal when he signed it. It was like a lot at the time, but then when the cap goes up, I mean, those deals look great. So it's always good to get your uh, star young players locked up long term. Absolutely. And I think with the only thing I can really derail this is if he continues to have injury issues or yeah. or the Devils just go the crap out of this where they just don't give him the supporting <laughs> cast or when they have the supporting cast, they trade him away because he lost his love for the hockey. I don't want to talk about it. Anyway, <laughs> I kind of wanted to lead this into Dylan Cousins is an RFA next year, I believe. Um, am I am I wrong about that? Holy crap! I think no, I think he's got one more. Okay, after okay. next season. Gotcha, gotcha. That's right. Um, that's right. He could sign he, he a contract next season. Yes. Um, what would you, it just kind of thought thought process there? They were in the same draft. Um, I just I don't know why for some reason I forgot he went back, but um. What is, I mean, that's kind of a comparable when it comes, not money-wise, but 
length because I kind of want the Sabres to put their money where their mouth is. They constantly say, you know, Dylan wants to be here and he's a Sabre and all this stuff. Okay, put your money where your mouth is. Sign him to an eight-year contract. Now, obviously, it's not going to be $8 million. That's a bit of a stretch with what he's doing now. I mean, he dangled Joe Thornton, but Joe Thornton's like 70 years old. Um, I, I mean, at this point, I'm thinking, you know, if they can sign him to like a like an eight-year contract to like six mil, five, six mil in that kind of ballpark. I mean, I'm just throwing stuff out there and, and seeing if it sticks. But I just kind of wanted your thought process on that as well. Um, I mean, we can talk about other prospects, but really Dylan was like the only one that, that really popped when, when I saw this contract when it pertains to the Sabres. Yeah, I mean, I think with Cousins, I mean, I think he just screams just the type of guy that will really negotiate not to take an eight-year deal just because I'm not really sure he's going to like kind of like blow up to his full potential by next season. I mean, this season I thought he'd be taking like kind of huge steps forward. I mean, I don't really know what I expected, but maybe kind of like a Lucas Raymond type season where he just blows up. But I mean, this Sabres team really doesn't have a great supporting cast. So he really hasn't had a chance to showcase that. But I mean, we just see Flash as just a fantastic player. And I mean, he's still kind of got that like polite Western Canada type of play where he's like, I feel like he's afraid to kind of like showboat and really show like off all the skill that he has. I mean, we've seen it twice the last game against Florida with that goal and that assist to Henestrosa. Mm-hmm. So if we could start seeing that more consistently, I mean, maybe we even see it next season. I could see like an eight-year deal, but if he just stays like a 50-point guy, at least for the next two years, I could see Cousins being like, you know what, I'm going to bet on myself. Just give me a bridge deal. I'm not taking eight years or a scenario like that. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, there's plenty of scenarios that can that can come from this and there's plenty of time on that as well so um yeah i mean it's impressive for for what he's doing right now um you know jack Hughes, i, I think they were using him more on the wing and that's something that that cousins has as well that i mean he can play wing i think he's probably better suited as a center long term but um you know that's if they can lock someone up that's going to be a pivot and just knowing what they have maybe he isn't a you know a a top six center maybe he's like a third line center but he's a really good third line center at least you found that out you know what I mean so I want them to find it out obviously before they pay him contract but at the same time if you're going to bridge him two three years it gives you a little bit of extra time just to kind of let him marinate a little bit more and I mean he'd be in his what mid-20s at that point and, and just kind of reaching to his his peak performance so yeah, we'll, we'll kind of see what comes of that, but um, it's impressive. I, you know, I don't want to diminish you know, his, his abilities just because he did tangle Joe Thornton. It's still nice, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm excited to kind of see where his trajectory leads him um, because, yeah, like you said, it could be 50 points. He could be 80 points. It also it's the same thing I said with Jack Hughes. It, it depends on his supporting cast, and there it looks like the Sabres are in it for the long haul with this rebuild, and he might not have a great supporting cast. I mean, his – he was playing with like Drake Kajula and like Anders Bjork or something like that. And Estroza. And Estroza. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm not, I'm not really that bummed about his point production or whatever because, like, I know who he's playing with. And this is a perfect segue. I'm on fire tonight to Owen Power because I'm definitely not concerned with who he's playing with either. But everyone's kind of. This is my take on it. I don't want to diminish what he's doing because he's really looked good. 
Um, they're actually playing right now. I was actually going to try to pull up the game. We had some audio issues, so I didn't want it to interfere. Um, well, they're, they're down 2 nothing. it looks like. They're down 2 nothing. Okay, so Michigan is down 2 nothing yeah. to Minnesota as of right now of this recording. But uh, Owen Power's tearing it up. Uh, he's on like an eight-game point streak or something like that. His, his NHL E is expected, you know, the, the graph to kind of show how it compares to, to NHL point production. I mean, it's off the charts. He's on Michigan. They're a wagon, all right? So, like, I i don't want to take away because he's it, – it's its almost like, yeah, he should be doing this to me. Now, if he wasn't, I'd definitely be concerned. And there's definitely praise that needs to be due because he's still doing the work and he's hes improving on some of his game. I mean, like, his his transition defense that I've seen is has become just a little bit more mature. Uh, and that just comes with age and experience and stuff like that. But that's something he's improved on too. So I don't want to say that he's not doing anything to improve. And, you know, this is just natural and this is what should just happen. At the same time, oh, my God, Michigan is so good. I mean, they're like 12-4 and four right now. Um, had, had a couple trip-ups. Um, but, I mean, Owen Powers got, you know, veterans around him. He's got Beneers, Brisson, uh, Dylan Duke, uh, Ken Johnson. I mean – that's a roster right there. So are you more bullish on his point production than I am? I like, again, I'm trying to say he, he does look very good. Anytime I watch him, it's, it's really awesome. Uh, you know, I'm, it, it, I was a little opposed to them drafting him just because I think if you have the first overall pick, I, I really want it to be a forward and, and someone that's going to be producing a ton of points, but he looks good, man. He looks really good. And I just wanted to get your take. So, I'm kind of wishy-washy on it. Um, it's still it's still good to see what he's doing, but at the same time, I kind of expected him to do this. So, I mean, he is a true sophomore, so I'll give him credit where where credit is due, because uh, it's you know the NCAA is a little bit older. But I'll let you take the floor and, and kind of discuss what you're seeing from Owen Power and, and kind of how you're interpreting that for his future. Yeah, I mean, I think this would be a good chance to plug my, some of the charts I have in my tableau, which could be found on my Twitter. Yeah, we're going, and we're getting one, into that next too. So yeah, I mean, one of those charts on there. If you go to the prospects one, is involvement percentage. Like, uh, what percent of the team's goals does that player record a point on? For Owen Power right now, it's a thirty-three point eight percent, which is pretty much means that he has a point on a third of all of Michigan's goals. Which I mean is pretty crazy considering the depth they have. And, I mean, these aren't all coming on the power play either. I think more than half of his points have been at on five-on-five, on five, and he has a good chunk of primary points too. So, I mean, really, I think what we're seeing from own power this season, I mean, I I know I was kind of big on, like, Beneers and Eklund over Owen Power before the last draft because I was still kind of skeptical. But, I mean, just watching that guy play in college this season – I know first overall picks usually don't go back to college, so it's kind of a bit of a unique scenario, but, I mean, he's just so good. I mean, it's hard to believe that a guy as big as him could, like, move around the ice that easily because just visually, I mean, even kind of the way he moves, you're like, oh, this guy probably won't be able to pull off some of these moves, pull off some of these weight shift moves to just get around defensemen, but then he just, like, does it, and he turns it into points. So I like what we've seen from him this year. It's really intriguing. And I just love how he's really just fearless out there. I he mean, was, there was a clip of him like dancing someone, right? If I'm yeah, not mistaken. Yeah, I think against yeah Niagara, I think. Well, not oh, the yeah. greatest team, but I mean, still, those guys are those guys are older players than I. Yeah, they're D one players. So, yeah. yeah, 
Yeah, so just to pull that off on a guy, I mean, he made them look foolish out there. Yeah. So, just, I mean, were, I, mean I don't want to bring up Darlene right now, but. Oh, no. <laughs> Darlene played. <laughs> Darlene used to be a fearless defenseman as a prospect. Yeah. Now he's not as fearless in the NHL anymore. So, hopefully, that doesn't happen to Owen Power because just watching Power pull off these moves, I mean, like how he's unafraid to join the rush, it's just so much fun. And. Hopefully he's able to bring that to the NHL level too. We'll get to Darlene in a second because I do have some thoughts there. Um, but I did want to, since you talked about your involvement percentage, um, for listeners out there, I want you to think before you look, don't cheat. Before we look, who do you think of all the Sabres prospects playing in the AHL or you know overseas or juniors, wherever it is, who do you think has the most involvement on their team's goals or I guess points you, you said, which are goals, obviously. Um, give you five seconds to think of, of who that might be. So, no, you're wrong because it is actually Oliver Nadeau. Um, it is not Jack Quinn like you thought. I, I don't know. I'm just guessing. But um, Oliver Nadeau is at 41.9%. so almost 42% of his team's goals is involvement. I mean, that's... Again, he's playing in the queue. That's still impressive, man. I mean, that's almost you're yeah. almost involved on half your team's point production. It's still early December, and I'm sure that'll kind of like taper off, I guess, maybe. Or if it doesn't, that's just that's wild. I don't know anything about other, you know, prospects and what they've come up. Like, I wonder what Connor McDavid's was. Holy crap. Um Yeah, probably insane. Yeah, something crazy. <laughs> but you know, even even just, you know, like third round guys, like how he kind of stacks up against other guys that were drafted in the CHL in general. Um, I mean, that, that's that's really impressive. I mean, that's something yeah. – that's what you want to see no matter what. I mean, he was a fifth round pick if I'm not mistaken. I mean – I think fourth Fourth, maybe? fifth. I mean, that's what you want to see from guys. Yeah. You want them to see – you want to see that kind of growth and they're dominating in, in the junior league. They just got drafted. Now they're 18, 19, you know, pushing 20 years old. I think he's going to be in showing again for a couple of years. And, I mean, if he can keep doing this, it's it, as we kind of seen with Darlene, and, again, we're going to get to it in a second, but it's a, it's a confidence thing. I mean, this, they're going to come into the Amherst, and they're going to be confident, and hopefully what's going on now with the Amherst is something that they can kind of instill, you know, bring prospects in like, you know, Weisbach, uh, Paterk, uh, Quinn. Now they have Krebs. Um, Laxon and Rusak too. The guy Rusek, that's not yep. talked about that Loxie's injured yep. this year, but exactly. I'm looking forward to watching him play in Rochester. I mean, even to a sense, I mean, before I guess this year, but like Ogilvy was still technically kind of a prospect that people thought might oh, be able yeah. to, to, to get into the fourth line there. But um, I mean, if they can kind of establish that system, if you can kind of in a couple of years continue that and bring bring in like a guy like Oliver Nadeau, I don't know why I just messed up his name there. Um, I think that's just like a really good environment for someone that's coming in as confident as he is. Um, going into just kind of the list there, you said Owen Power was 33.8. He's actually third. Second is Josh Bloom. He's almost at 38% of his team's involvement, which are, let's be honest, are pretty much all of them are like shorthanded. Um, guy's an absolute beast. Uh, he was on a podcast. I, I forget the name. Um, I'll try to link it in the description below. Um, where he was on talking to some other guys that were in the OHL. Um, it was pretty cool to you know kind of get a, a look behind the uh, draft process that he went through and, and just kind of have a more you know relaxed interview where he's just talking with his buddy. So it was cool to listen to. 
Um, you know, he's someone to be excited for. Same thing with Nadeau a couple years from now, if he can just kind of be inserted into the Amherst lineup and, and they have that kind of chemistry where you can just kind of plug and play and, um, you know, you remove Quinn and Paterka and, and those guys and you, you add guys like Bloom and Nadeau. That's just best case scenario. Um, like I said, third is own power. Fourth is, uh, and we're going to, this is going to be a hot debate. This is what I think people are going to take from this episode is William Van Barncow? Barncow? I feel like the E in, be- <laughs> in between the N and the K makes it a long A. So Barncow? I don't want to say Barncow. That just that just seems Barn a little bit too perfect. <laughs> uh, but he's at 32.8%. Um, and then the fourth person I actually need to go over here because I, I clicked off of it. So if you hear Quinn. I think you forgot Quinn. I think Quinn's at three. Quinn. Excuse me. You're right. Quinn is yeah. at three. Power's <laughs> at four. My apologies. Quinn is at three. Which He's is at, crazy for yeah. a 20-year-old in the NHL. <laughs> 34.8%. And then um, you have Poltapov down there at, I guess, would make him sixth. He's at 30%, but that's for, I think, his M- MHL uh, that, team. I used his VHL for VHL that thing. one. Gotcha. And then yeah. um, there's Kozak, who's over in Portland, I believe. Uh, yeah, he's yes, having he's a pretty... Portland. Quietly a nice season. Too yeah, seventh round I mean, pick. Good for him. And then JJ Paterka's yeah. over at twenty six percent. That's what I wanted to get yeah. to. Um, going still back really to Quinn, good too. Yeah, still really good. Um, going back for to nineteen Quinn, year old too. <laughs> I mean, just seeing the leaders of your team being like a not leaders in the sense of, you know, like Michael Mersh and I always think I'm going to mess his name up too. Obviously, I think we've all realized that I'm horrible with names. I I barely remember my own. <laughs> um, like Michael Mersh and and other you know veterans that are that are on that team, um, you know are the leaders in the locker room and and turning these guys into actual pros and um, doing a great job. It seems obviously. I mean, if they weren't good leaders, I feel like things would kind of be falling apart a little bit quicker. Um, and and I'm not saying things are falling apart at all, but you know you have Jack Quinn and JJ Paterka, you know, leading the the way offensively. That's just a it's just like such an uplifting thing for Sabres fans to have. I think we've talked about this before, but it's just, that's just so necessary. It was just such a breath of fresh air because people, including myself, including you, um, were, you know, wishy-washy on, on Jack Quinn and, and what he could bring. Um, and, and to kind of see him so far slam the door in our faces. I, I love it. I mean, that's something yeah. if I, if I doubt a prospect, even Owen power and he comes in and he's, and he wrecks it, there's no one happier than me because Ozzantini too. <laughs> he's yeah. had a really good season in oh, North Dakota. Yeah, he's on the list here. He is part of 21.4% of his team's goals, which is just we were kind of saying like, hey, I mean, you went to North Dakota, but you know what? What's your role going to be? What do you do? You know, what are you really going to do there? It's your freshman year. What What's going to happen? We didn't really know. And to be part of over 20% of your team's goals, I mean, again, he's in the NCAA, a little bit older. Is he older than? Owen Power? He might be the same age. I think he's a year older. Uh, I think um, he's an August birthday, so I think they're only like three months apart. Oh, crap. Okay. Well, I mean, still, these are young guys in the NCAA performing well, and I, I'm going to say it again because it's important, like Nadeau, like Bloom, like all of these guys, if they can bring them over to a system and you know send them off to, to Appert, hopefully no one picks him away, because I really like Seth Appert, and anytime I hear him talk about I understand it's just to the media. I don't know how he is with his players specifically or in the locker room, obviously. But um, anytime I hear him talk, it's just it's articulate, and I 
I, I don't know. I just really like it. I don't know if I'm I'm falling for something that you know other people are are looking beyond, but I I just really like anytime I I hear him him talk about this his team, how how they want to play hockey, how he describes specific players. I think it's he puts a lot of thought into it. Obviously, you kind of have to. You're the coach, but it's just something that I I like to hear when uh when I'm listening to those press conferences. So again, I think these are anytime we talk about these prospects, it's not only what they're doing with their teams now, but like like you have to think that guys like you know Teo Constantine, they're not going to be playing with guys or the system or the coaches all from North Dakota or guys like Owen Power. He's not going to be playing with really good players in their league, like from Michigan. You know what I mean? Like they're going to be brought into different systems, different coaches, and frankly, different talent around them that if they can kind of establish that and coming up through, I know that's a big thing with Kevin Adams. He saw it come come through Buffalo, and he, he understands where he had – Derek Roy, Thomas Vanek, Jason Pommelville, um, I mean, I guess Brian Campbell, Ryan Miller, like all these guys down in Rochester building their way up. They don't need to immediately, especially you, you'd like the first, second round picks to to start playing sooner rather than later. But the depth of these guys, I mean, if you can have someone that comes in like an Oliver Nadeau and, and be a quality player for your AHL team and maybe push yeah. for a bottom, bottom six slot – I mean, there's just there's no downside to that, and I think it's really important that that Rochester has that good support system for those guys that are coming in, like a J, uh, like a JJ Paterka, like a Jack Quinn. So I know I just kind of went on a bit there, but is there any kind of thought process to just kind of that that team building? Because you see it with with like Tampa, they would always have guys coming up through Syracuse, and you see that with a bunch of other teams. I mean, is there something to be said for that? Is it is that the right process, or do you have any kind of different ideas on that yeah i mean i think really just the way rochester's been the past couple of years they kind of reminded me of like a hl team of like a cup contender or a playoff team just because they really just lack prospects i mean now great to finally see guys coming up through the system and i know uh i mean on twitter i've drawn some parallels between uh quinn paterka and krebs to uh vanek pomville and roy uh back when they were down in rochester which was somehow already 17 years ago, which doesn't seem believable. But... Thank you for making <laughs> me feel old. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I remember watching that team during the uh, 0405 lockouts. Yep. used to play some games at the Sabres Arena. Yep. And I think, I mean, that's just, I mean, I don't want to get too overly excited because those were three really good NHL players. But, I mean, Quinn Paterka and Krebs are kind of outproducing those guys from their AHL rookie year. So, I mean, really just seeing that's just really encouraging. And, I mean, it kind of be fun to see a lockout next season almost. I mean, I don't want to wish that upon the NHL, but, I mean, at this point, I'm not really too involved with the current Sabres team just because there's just so many guys that won't be here yeah. in the next three years. I mean, yeah. it's hard to, like, argue, like, oh, should Henestrosa play here? Should Bjork play here? Yeah, we're not. I mean, it's just, like, <laughs> it's just challenging at this point, but... I think Rochester has just been really encouraging. I think that's really been what's helping me get through the season is really just like the play of the prospects. I mean, like you said with Nadeau, just having a fourth round pick, I mean, produce those big point totals. The Sabres haven't had that in really forever, like seven, eight years. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I think the, the point you made 
about not being really involved with the Sabres because most of them aren't going to be here. John Hayden, Henestrosa, Drake Kajula, Anders Bjork. um, Eakin. (laughs) Eakin. Oh, for the love of God. Eakin. uh, Roots Butcher, Hog. (laughs) But yeah, Butcher. I mean, Hag, I could see them. I think they like him. I mean, that dude is a puck magnet. Like, I think they like him. Yeah. Which they might. They might keep him around, but yeah, it depends. Because I think he's a free agent after this year, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. I mean, he also might try to. I don't know. It just kind yeah, of depends. Does he try to catch the town. bag? Or yeah, I mean, like, good. You know what? <laughs> he's look. It was addition by subtraction, getting rid of Ristolainen. and I think Flyers fans are starting to realize that, and they're getting a little, little uh, perturbed yeah. by that. I guess you could say giving up a first round pick and a second <sighs> before. An inevitable rebuild, and a player that just seems—I mean, Hag is—he's not perfect by any means. No, I mean, look, none of the players on the Sabres are, but yeah, I mean, no, no hockey player is to to be frank. So let's be fair about it. But um, I mean, he's—he just looks better, just the way that he just looks yeah, better. Mean, I don't. Yeah, he's been fine this year, actually. I mean, yeah. I know he's had some really bad seasons before, but I mean, the Flyers really are kind of weird too. too much. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the Flyers have been kind of weird. Defenseman. Yeah, so, I mean... <laughs> like Provorov, I think Provorov's actually having a horrible season. I remember... Who's having right a worse season, Dalian or Provorov? Uh, I could I could check right now goals above replacement. It's probably close. Yeah, I would like to see that because, we, like I said, we weren't going to get into Dalian, and I guess, you know, no better time than now. Is he, like, is he still broken? I mean, it's just, it's, a, it's definitely a confidence thing, right? Like... Yeah, I mean, he got you know since our last episode with, um, you know with the Sabers, uh, I, I he's gotten stri- he got stripped twice on the power play for shorthanded goals. Um, I mean, yeah, that know, was embarrassing. La- I felt bad for him. Lapses. I mean, you know, other defensemen have had him too. Yoki Haru's got caught wandering a couple times. So, um, you know, he's. Like like Don Granado said, I think he said this in a like a press conference. He's like someone that quickly self corrects. He's just a smart hockey player. He doesn't do anything. He's not big. He's not hulking. He's a really good passer. He doesn't. It's not like he has a bomb from the point or anything like that. He's a really good passer and he's smart. Um, yeah. And there's something to be said for that. That's why he's going to be in the NHL for a long time. He's just a smart hockey player and he does things right. It's kind of the same thing with like uh you know, yeah, it's hard to draw comparisons like this, but just like a Sam Reinhardt or like a. I guess maybe even like a Peyton Krebs are just smart hockey players and they're going to be around for a long time. Whether that capacity is a, a huge ceiling, who knows? But just hockey sense alone, I think people have kind of become more aware that of how important that is because you can be shredded and physical and have a bomb and put up all these points, but you can still be a huge detriment to your team like we saw with Rasmus Ristolainen. I mean, the guy's a physical specimen. <laughs> How did it not work yeah. out? Because he just he just didn't really have it. And that's you know that's what was going on with Tage Thompson too, which is so freaking annoying. Let's I, I'm going to go on a rant here for a second. Please excuse me. I put my credibility on the line for this guy <laughs> last year, which. I don't know how much credibility I really have. Anyway, I put my credibility <laughs> on the line basically saying, like, this is Tage Thompson's year. He has a stinker, which, to be fair, all of them did. And it was the coach's fault. I'm not going to blame the players because look at him now. I mean, I and this year I was like, you know what? I'm not doing it again. I'm not going to get caught. And now he's outperforming everything. So I was a Tage Thompson truther for so long, and I should have just stuck it out another year, and I would have been a fine 
that's my rant. I mean, kind of going back to our Donnelly discussion, where is, where, when, when will you know things have changed? Like he's, he's taken the step towards getting out of this funk and, and playing better. Like, do you, do you know what I'm asking? I, and I want to make sure everyone that's yeah. listening knows what I'm asking. Like, when do you, you'll, you'll see it. And it's, it doesn't have to be a specific goal or an assist or anything like that. Maybe it's a string of games. What do you need to see to be like, okay, I feel a lot better about where he's at now. Because right, I feel bad for him because he's just – something something mentally is going on. And one last thing before I go to you, um, I do want to put him on the Kyle Opozo offseason skating program. Because look at what Kyle's been able to do with his skating from a couple years ago. And I understand he's incredibly agile. If he stops moving his feet, people outmuscle him, and they, they, they are clearly faster than him. He needs a little bit more straight-line speed. It's just, it's just the way it is. I don't want to criticize him too much about it because like he has been able to get by with his, with his agility and his hockey sense. And you don't need to be the fastest skater out there. I understand that. But, I mean... There, it's, I don't know. It worries me. I'm not saying it's a, you know, going to be the thing that holds him back from being an elite defenseman. He has a ton of other tools. I just, I want to see some more straight line speed. Yeah, I mean, I think with Dalin, the straight line speed is not the greatest, but I think just the biggest concern regarding his skating, I really think, I mean, it's been obvious the past few games. I mean, it's just, really just defending one-on-ones. I mean, even not even one-on-ones, like two-on-twos where he's got to skate backwards and try to break up the play or prevent anything dangerous from happening. I mean, I know, uh, I mean, Joe Yurden, his substack's great. Uh, I think it's called Noted Hockey, and he had uh, Jack Hahn, who, I mean, also has a substack. He writes a bunch of stuff about kind of his hockey tactics and stuff. I know he brought up uh, Dolly kind of defending one-on-ones too and uh, kind of defending going backwards and kind of how he really doesn't have the best footwork in those situations. And it's really not something that was talked about much in his draft year, at least in the public scouting sphere. I mean, cause it's just so important for NHL defensemen to really not get caught up with their feet. I mean, I know Darlene, he's definitely prone to making one too many crossovers. I mean, you might be able to get away with that in the SHL but, I mean, in the NHL, you're going to get burnt if your feet get caught and you got, like, a Matt Barzell or even Brandon Tanev who did it to him last game. I Oof. mean, they're going to beat you if you don't got your ideal foot positioning and you give them too much of a cushion. So I think that's just something that he's got to work on. I think once he fixes that, I really think that's going to fix his confidence because he seems almost kind of intimidated to try stuff in the offensive zone because he's afraid of like not being able to get back and being caught on a one-on-one like that and just getting embarrassed, which is going to happen either way, whether he's aggressive or not aggressive in the offensive zone, because we've seen him be not aggressive and he still gets burnt on those one-on-ones. So I think with him, it's it's definitely just got to be a confidence thing in my mind. I mean, I wouldn't be saying that if we didn't see the season that Darlene had in his rookie year where he was positive impact both on offense and defense. He put up pretty much similar point totals. He was a guy that didn't even turn 19 till, I think the last week of games, his rookie season. And he was doing just insane stuff like dangles, everything you want to see from him. So, I mean, he's a guy where we, we know, we know that he has it in him. It's now it's kind of just like extracting that from him. And I, 
really don't think there's a better coach to do that than Don Granado because I do think Granado is going to give him, and I think he has been giving him the freedom to try more stuff offensively. I'm just not really sure that Darlene's really taking that initiative to kind of try more stuff offensively, but, I mean, we saw him against the Panthers game. I mean, he had one shift where he spent most of it below the dots, and, I mean, that Henestrosa goal, too. He took the puck below the dots, drew the defender, and hit Henestrosa with a perfect pass for the goal. I mean, his offense has been improving the past couple games, and once we see more of that out of him, I mean, maybe improves his confidence and improves his game as a whole. Yeah, I was going to say, is the confidence thing, in your opinion, a thing that we need to look at the coaching staff and say, hey, this is on you? Or do we need to look at Darlene, the player, and say, like, it's now on you. You're giving the, you're, you have been given the leeway. Now it's on you to do, to, to gain, to get your own confidence. We're giving you the leash. Now you take what you can with that and, and play the way you can to give yourself more confidence. Like, I don't really know. Like, I, I feel like the coaches are doing everything they can. They're not ex- they're not benching him for extended periods of time. I think he got benched earlier this year, but that was just to kind of calm him down. They're not benching him like Ralph Kruger would have done. Like they're giving him all the leash. So is it now on Darlene to be like, here it is? Like you, he's Darlene is smart enough to know what's going on. And so at this point, it's almost on him to kick himself out of that is my thought process. I, I don't know if that's something, and I'm not really digging my heels on the sand on that because I'm just kind of thinking of this on the spot. But I just wanted to see kind of what your thought process is because it seems like Renato and the coaching staff is giving them, doing all they can for the kid. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely an interesting situation. I mean, I know last season under Ralph Kruger, I think just kind of watching the Sabres, it was pretty clear that defensemen were kind of limited with what they were allowed to do in the offensive zone. If you and carried it over the blue line, you weren't playing yeah. the next game, dude. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, you get stapled the bench for the third period. But, I mean, now with uh, Don Granado, I mean, even a guy like Mark Pesic, I mean, we see him all the time. He's always going below the dots. I mean, he's always switching out with one of the forwards, uh, kind of making a rush uh, down the wall, receiving a pass, making a dangerous play. I mean, This is a Mark Pesic been... fan podcast. Is what I wanted to say. Yeah, I'm I mean, sorry to interrupt. Big this. Mark Pesic fans here. <laughs> and Casey and Casey Fitzgerald. Just have to throw them out because uh, my Twitter account is a Facey, Casey Fitzgerald uh, fan account, which I almost said Facey Fitzgerald. <laughs> that would have been great. But I'm sorry, I interrupted. Please go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, really just, I mean, I think with like a guy like Pesic, I mean, he's definitely not a guy that's like really known for his crazy offense. But I mean, we see him not be afraid to take the puck down in the zone. I mean, to kind of be involved in the rush more. So I think... Darlene's definitely allowed to do the same stuff, especially at a skill level. And, I mean, we've seen him do that stuff the game against the Panthers, I mean, more than we have in the previous game. So I think I think it's definitely – I won't, really don't want to put it all on him to say that he's, like, the only guy that's got to fix this. I mean, I do think the coaching staff needs to, I mean, really just find something to – to help him mentally I think I mean maybe like a sports therapist or something like that I mean I've never really dealt with high level athletes in like this type of coaching capacity so I don't really know what the usual protocol is for situations like this but I mean it's an NHL team they'd probably have access to just a number of therapists I mean former players I mean 
even just kind of getting like a veteran on the team that can maybe help him figure things out. I think they just got to do something with him because I don't know how much longer like the Sabres can go on with this version of Rasmus Dahlin, like one that's clearly not living up to his full potential, even though the box score says otherwise. I mean, I think he's got that talent level just to be that complete all-around defenseman. I mean, kind of the same mold as like a Kel McCarr or Charlie McAvoy. I mean, there's no reason he doesn't have the talent level to be at the same level as those guys. I mean, really just look at Darlene's draft year. He was a half-point-per-game player at the SHL being a 17-year-old. I mean, stuff like that's generational for defenseman prospects. I mean, those guys just don't come along every draft or every other draft. I mean, stuff he's done with prospects is insane. Anyone trying to dis to say that he shouldn't have been the first overall pick like oh he should have gone with Shvechnikov it's just like no like the proof was in the yeah. pudding it was like you had to do this you were a fool if you didn't good for yeah. Andrei Shvechnikov for all he's done and that's that's way too revisionist I, I I really do feel bad for him I really do I it, it seems like it's between the ears and I don't know what it is to fix it um he knows I I, I think the the biggest thing is he knows he knows he's capable of more I could just say yeah. that if I could just say that first time, that would be that would be great. Um, but he's it's it's very clearly mentally because he's it's not like he's changed physically as a player. I mean, he might have gotten stronger or anything like that, but he's the same player. He plays the same style of game. It's not like he's drastically changing that by any means. Um, I know he wants to play a little bit more simple, which is fine. I mean, maybe that'll kind of cut down on mistakes. I will diminish his confidence, but at the same time, it might diminish some creativity too so i don't know i mean i will say this though about darlene this is i mean it's not a good thing in relation to some of the other guys like johnson and power i feel a lot better about them because you know going into the draft for for johnson i just wanted a forward um i now realize like all right it's after the fact and i like johnson as the as a player so that that really helps um but with power i was like we already have darlene and we have johnson why another one what do we do? And now you see what's going on with Darlene. I'm like, oh, I'm a little bit more yeah. okay with it. You know, like, again, yeah, I, you never count your eggs before they hatch. Yeah. That's the old saying. I mean, that's yeah. kind of the thing with prospects too. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm a lot more okay with it. And um, yeah, I was okay with it. I, I definitely came to the acceptance that they're drafting Owen Power pretty, pretty quickly. I mean, I think I meant count your chickens. I think I messed that up. But, Whatever the phrase is. <laughs> hey, I mean, I can't pronounce last names. Walt, so I don't yeah. think I don't think anyone's gonna hold it against you. I mean, was, yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's what a, I, you know, as as much as I love them drafting all those Russians, if they do it again, I swear to God, I don't want to keep keep trying to memorize these these. Yeah, <laughs> something something off. I mean, they're they're just challenging. Like, there's a guy that plays for Quebec. He came he came from like what Finland oh, or whatever. I Ojami Marjala. I think. What fantastic name. No way I was going to be able to pronounce that from just looking yeah. at it. By the way, he's at, uh, if you were wondering, he's at 12.14% for his uh, for his involvement percentage for Quebec. So not great, but it's definitely not yeah. Oliver Doe style. Um, but what are you going to do? <laughs> um, I'm going through the rest of this. Picard. Man, Picard kind of fell off a cliff, eh? Everyone's like, oh, he's going to be awesome third-line centers. Yeah. He'll be lucky if he's I like mean, a really just I just watching him, I mean, you could kind of tell, like, just like the ability to create offense just through his IQ is just not there. But I mean, the effort level and all that's always there. So, I mean, those are the type of guys that like 
might get called up for like kind of in a Dalton Smith type role just to kind of mess things up for a game. But I mean, to carve out a full career in this NHL today, I mean, there's really just not many more of those like enforcer type of guys. Well, yeah, and I think it's a difference between Dalton Smith and Picard because I feel like Dalton Smith, like, he just had more experience fighting. I feel like half the time Picard's yeah. like causing problems and then. I hate, I hate to he say this because up. he yeah he's getting beat up he's getting his ass beat and it's just like look I understand that he could full well beat mine I totally understand yeah. but I'm just calling a spade a spade here I'm just Good. reporting Remember on what Darlene I see. lit him Darlene lit him up that oh. one development camp I think yeah because he was he was bugging Casey Middlestead and Casey finally like yeah. had enough of him and it's just like dude oh I forgot about that yeah. too in the scrimmage yeah. yeah which hey by the way good for for Casey getting back and and playing um he got that one goal which got Bobrovsky pulled which shouldn't have gone in but hey he scored so <laughs> good for him I'm really happy for him actually um because it's kind of like a sight for sore eyes say what could have been to start this season because he was gone after the first game um i know they started off hot but then they obviously faltered and i wonder what what could have happened with casey not it's not like he's going to change a bunch of losses into wins but you know here and there might have might have been helpful that's that's Better for sure than john hayden <sighs> it's so it's so tough to watch someone put he puts forth the effort that that i'm never going to question that but it's just like dude you don't do anything, and yeah. let's actually let's talk about this too. Our two roots aligning. He hasn't been like oh, yeah. I was someone that was like, "All oh, right, you need to put him in the lineup." This is especially last year too. It's just so bad, but like he hasn't. And I understand he's. Some people think he's an upgrade over Hayden and Eakin, um, and I don't know, maybe someone else. But those are the main two that I've seen out there. I I don't think I don't think he is. I really don't. He hasn't done anything super vanilla for me. I mean, he hasn't he. I forgot half the time that he was playing some nights until I randomly in the third period was like, oh, crap, forgot about him. There's number 25. I just – he hasn't done anything. And I, to be fair, it's like a Dylan Cousins thing. It's like, who's he been playing with? Eh. But, yeah. I mean, if he's not a checker and he's not a scorer, it's like the Jimmy VC conversation that Sheldon Keefe had on the all or nothing thing if you watched it on Amazon Prime where it's just like, I don't know what you are. You're, it's, it's vanilla. Like, I don't know what's going on here. Like, are that you sounds scoring? like Jimmy VC. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Is Jimmy VC a fourth line grinder or is he a 20 goal scorer on your third line? Yeah. Like, no, no freaking clue, man. Um, to think he was a high end college free agent at one point after he didn't sign with the Predators. You got VC, Butcher. They all come through Buffalo and everyone realizes, oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Not great. Um, hey, let's talk about it. Let's talk about Hobie Bakers. What about Owen Power, eh? Think uh think he's got a good shot there? I mean the way he's been playing now, I mean as just as a defenseman, I think he's definitely got a pretty decent shot at. It. I mean, Jake Sanderson too is another guy to keep an eye on. He's having a good season too, but I mean power I think his point production is just a little bit better at this point. And another guy too, I mean, Devin Levi. He might honestly be in the running for the Hobie Baker, too, with a 950 save percentage so far this season, which is pretty insane. So he And he's like pretty much single-handedly Won the uh, turning Northeastern into a ranked team because, I mean, they're not that good of a team. I mean, probably... It's Northeastern, yeah. I mean... Yeah. I mean, there's, they're good sometimes, but, I mean, the team this year is kind of young. I mean, not the greatest Hockey East team, but, I mean, Levi's been winning them games. 
So here at the Sabermetrics Podcast, hosted by the Charging Buffalo, if we uh, did not mention that, um, we we make bold predictions here, and we stick by them. Except Tation Option, apparently. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but my bold prediction, Devin Levi wins Northeastern the bean pot. I just thought of that. That tournament oh, yeah. is between Northeastern, Boston College, BU, and... There's another Harvard, one. I think. Is it Harvard? Really? Yeah. I mean, it would make sense because they're they're right there, but Northeastern being pot winners because of Devin Levi, tournament champion or tournament MVP. I can see it. Right? Right? I mean, it's like a, we saw what he did with Canada, which um, they they lost to the United States, I believe. That's one that's one the, uh, the United States had conveniently, quote-unquote, had those barrels that definitely weren't trash cans. They were trash cans. <laughs> yeah, um, I forgot about so that. So I think that was when Devin, Devin Levi was uh, in the net. But like he had a really good tournament, and the Bean Pots a tournament. He had he had broken ribs too. I think he for had that gold broken medal game, ribs. Oh my! As a goalie, no Something thank you. Like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, he yeah, as the rest a, of the season after that tournament, as a as a goalie who can perform in tournaments, the Bean Pots a tournament. I mean. BU and BC are, are always going to be good teams, but they're not Michigan or they're not Minnesota, which, by the way, I think Minnesota's up three zip on Michigan after the first, so not great for Eric Portillo. Yeah. Portillo, excuse but me. But Devin Levi, though, 15 saves in the first period against number 13 Providence. Let's no go. goals allowed. I was thinking about that Providence team. They had like Anthony Florentino, remember him? And uh, oh, th- yeah. that's where Jacob Bryson came from. It's where Nick DeSimone came from which oh yeah he's good age old guy <laughs> fun fun fact to my early childhood when i lived in buffalo the first time i played played hockey with him for a little bit him and andrew potterowski played with with both those guys um they were better than me then and they are way better than me now <laughs> significantly <laughs> so let's not get it twisted um but yeah i mean it's just it's weird to see like names or like jimmy lodge I've, i think i mentioned him before it's just like i knew that kid oh yeah um I didn't know him all that well, but um, Saginaw legend. Saginaw legend. I mean, Josh Bloom's more of a Saginaw legend. Let's be honest. <laughs> now, actually, you know, more bigger than uh, Lodge and Bloom. Eric Locke, Saginaw legend. I'm pretty sure oh, he was yeah. a captain over there. Yeah, seventh Insane round pick back. Point in the totals too. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Oh man, what what are we gonna do with uh, what do we? I still just I, I keep going back to our last podcast episode and kind of thinking of like arrival times for these guys over in Russia. And like, do they want to come over to the United States and just play in the AHL? So do like, do we have to wait for them to want to play in the NHL? I I was randomly thinking about this a couple of days ago, and it's like, I do understand the risk behind not wanting to take them. I know this is kind of like way out of left field, but it was just something I was thinking about that I I just remembered. Like, is that something we're worried about? You know what I mean? Like, they're like, well, I mean, I'm not playing for your AHL team, and if you don't give me an NHL spot, I'm not coming over. And the Sabres like, well, I mean, you have to earn your spot here. We're not just going to give it to you. And they're like, all right, well, I'm staying here in Russia. Like, this is years down the line, obviously, and we're we're seems like we're in like garbage time of football here because uh, we'll we'll be done with the episode here shortly. But I just wanted to get your thoughts. Like, is that is that something you even think about, or like even would worry about in the future, or am I just crazy? Which don't don't answer that, but answer the other thing. I mean, I think I mean really just the length of the contracts they have. I think Poltapov will be 
a little bit older when he comes over here. I mean, really just style Pope of game. He's going to have like now, four kids and like a family one yeah. before he can come over. Especially the Russian guys. They get married at like 19. So like, oh, okay. Well, I didn't know that, but yeah. yeah. Point, point like, taken. So Dorov got married when he was still a saver, I think. Oh, my God. He's a, so, he's a goofball out yeah. there, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's kind of the last real Russian prospect the Sabres had. But, I mean, he already came to North America before. Yeah, so. he was with London. You yeah, so, I like, mean, I think... Like Mark Pesek, Zadorov's coming back. Like I said, bold predictions here <laughs> at the Sabermetrics podcast. I could see it. I mean, I think really just to help the Russian guys come over, I think. So, maybe mm-hmm. they would be fine with the AHL. I mean, you really got to get other Russian guys, like Russian veterans on the team. I mean, I know that was a big problem with Victor Antipin uh, when oh, he came yeah. over to Buffalo. It's like, who the hell was he, he going to communicate with? Yeah. He had uh, – there wasn't another Russian player on the team or really within the organization outside of maybe a scout or two. So, I mean, just for those guys to come overseas and play in the NHL, I know he had a pretty rough transition here. I mean, obviously he only spent one season with the Sabres, but they really just got – to create an environment that's kind of welcoming to Russian prospects. I mean, it would really just be great to see kind of a system where they're able to churn out these uh, kind of these value picks with these Russian players because I feel like you can get better value out of drafting some of these Russian guys and guys that are in the CHL. So if you're able to capitalize on that, I think you could really increase the value of your draft and really create that great depth you need, like we mentioned earlier, to play – style like the florida panthers play with all that depth they have in that team yeah i mean it's just it's good that they're not ignoring an entire gigantic nation of hockey players that have the second best hockey league in the world like you said in the last one was like zadorov um yeah (laughs) my one thought is that uh you know i know we're gonna have a lot of untouchable prospects for the rangers in the future but artemi panarin i think we can maybe give up mateo constantini and like a third round pick for for panarin to help transition these guys what do you think <laughs> what do you think it sound good no you got rangers I mean, fans hate no. it oh no. i don't no. think we do we could maybe maybe do andrew ogilvy that's as high as I'll i'm go. not doing it no nope. sorry you lost <laughs> me i'm hanging up the phone oh god i just look i'm 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 glad he's in vegas i'm glad eichel's in vegas because man if you want to if you went to freaking New York, man, we'd never hear the end of it. And I'd be so mad. Yeah. Um, I mean, it wasn't even just the fans either with, like, the untouchable thing. I mean, it was, like, actually, like, Chris Jury. I think, like, Braden Schneider was, like, untouchable in the Eichel trade or something like that. Oh. It's, I have friends that are Rangers fans, so I, I don't want them to get offended yeah, by the here. off chance they, <laughs> they find this podcast. But uh, I, I don't like the Rangers. No, my Ranger friends' fans are fine. I hate the Rangers. No. Actually, no, I, <laughs> don't, I don't mind. it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um. One one thing. Our, I saw some. I think these are people just getting a little hyperbolic. But, um. You at all worried about Peyton Krebs like not blowing it away down in in Rochester? It's it's interesting because I think there's been. I mean, I know I've heard from people that watch other games that there's a good amount of plays that aren't finished. I mean, he looked good in the game I watched. I mean, he's just really a pure playmaker. So I feel like guys like that really rely heavily on their line mates finishing stuff and i know yeah. he's been playing with paterka and krebs who i mean paterka and uh, quinn who have been finishing but really just seeing what he was able to do like those two or three games with vegas's hl team where he put up crazy numbers and i mean recently we've been seeing the point totals come in i'm not really too concerned with him just because just that iq just 
that playmaking ability, that skill, I mean, that's definitely going to translate to the NHL. Maybe not to, like, a 90-point player, but, I mean, a guy that could play any line in the lineup. I mean, you could plug him on your first line, and he'd just be a great guy to have there. So I'm really excited about him. And it was definitely nice to get a prospect of his caliber and Eichel deal after hearing about all of the prospects that were untouchable uh, throughout this summer and this early fall. I mean, it's nice to get a guy like Krebs in the system. Absolutely. It's going to be interesting. I it, One bumps Dylan Cousins down. I, I I think at the end of the day, he's going to be like a really, really good third-line center. Like, if, yeah. in perfect world, I think he's like your third-line center and people are begging for him to be your second-line center. But you're like, no, we have him under contract and we're making a push for the playoffs or whatever it is. Um, that, that's Panther ideal style. style. <laughs> Pan- yeah, exactly. Um, and it, I'm just interested to kind of see, at least in the next like year or two, to see who's like the go-to center. Is it Middlestad or is it Krebs? Obviously, right now it would be Middlestad. But, um, you yeah, know, just kind of... Bedard. Oh, dear God. Yeah, I mean, are we... No, we're, we'll we'll get into the draft on on the next episode. The last thing I wanted to ask you about this is something um, that I I think I've seen you post about a couple of times. Um, and it's the last topic for the day, so we'll wrap it up here. But the Sabres power play, you you have some thoughts. I'm just gonna let you you take it from there. Yeah, I mean, really, it's kind of just the same power play they're running the seasons before with Eichel, but I mean. I mean, it's really just a simple one-three-one power play, which I mean, it's great when you got a guy of Eichel's caliber to kind of be able to create those passing lanes. I mean, always be a danger to shoot. I mean, really be able to manipulate uh, the PK team. But I mean, now without really the same talent level they had before. I mean, last year they're running power play. Taylor Hall, he's not here anymore. Jack Eichel, he's not here anymore. Sam Reinhart. I'm just replacing those guys with kind of guys that are really inexperienced on a top unit. I mean, still at Dalene, but the power play is pretty much just a triangle. I mean, you got three guys touching it the whole time. You got the guy at the point, the two guys on the flanks. And, I mean, it's tough to receive a pass from the flanks from the point and turn that into a one-timer. So they've really only been able to score power play goals off of, like, broken plays. I mean, we've seen Oposo finished on the second unit sometimes. So definitely going to have to be changes there. I mean, the power play is one of the worst in the league so far this season. Probably only going to get worse. So... I mean, they just got to change something. I mean, get creative with it. I mean, I know Ryan Stimson, uh, he's done a bunch of work. Uh, I mean, you can just look up his name about uh, his power play strategies. I mean, kind of just having a guy behind the net uh, to kind of always use all the space in the offensive zone on the power play. I mean, that's a strategy that I think you could use with any talent level. I mean, as Sayers has got to get creative with it because you're not going to really do much with the same vanilla power play when you're really lacking kind of that just average NHL talent level. All right, hear me out. Galaxy brain stuff here. Put Darlene behind the net. Don't put him at, don't that, put him at the top. Put him behind the net. Put Bryson at the top because if something happens, he has the giddy up to get back. Darlene's yeah, and he knows back. how to defend a one-on-one too. Yeah. Oh <laughs> We're not trying to turn this into a Dowling bashing situation, but I mean, <laughs> if you can defend Connor McDavid better than most guys can, then that that gives you something. You know, I, I, watching Jacob Price, I'm just really happy for him. You know, I, I I was confident in his skills and his puck moving ability and his like his just like agility and speed because he just darts in and out of places. Which I just I didn't know if it was really going to translate for him to be an NHL player, and it it has, and it's just awesome to see. I mean, what is he like third round pick way back then, and yeah, he's now in the NHL. Overager too. 
overager was he really wow i think so (laughs) i'm just really happy for him so um yeah i mean but just getting back to the power play in general i mean do do fake shots where some guys in like the slot and he has his you know stick angled in a way where he'll tip it and then try to get maybe a broken play that way or something like you just can't keep taking fadeaway slappers and like Here's my yeah. thing. Is, has Olsen not been shooting as much? Like, it, yeah, it almost I mean, seems he like injured. Yeah, and the thing was, his injury was something that was like shooting related. It affects his shot. That's something that Granado yeah. specifically said. And it almost seems like he just doesn't want to sh- just fully on rip it. Maybe he has once or twice and stuff like that. But he's. It almost seems like teams are kind of sagging off him a little bit because they kind of know he isn't shooting right now. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of similar to Eichel last year with that rib injury he had. I mean, he pretty much tried not to shoot as much. I mean, it showed up in his goal totals too. I mean, I think with Olofsson, I mean, just let the guy heal. I mean, this is a lost season. Just let him sit out till he can shoot again. I think that's really about it. We've covered... uh, pretty much damn near everything I wanted to cover. Um, anything else on, on your end that you really wanted to, to mention before we hop off here? I mean, kind of just hoping for a Devin Levi shout-out tonight. That's all I got. <laughs> yeah, well, we know Michigan's not getting one, but um, hey, maybe uh, yeah. Ryan Johnson and, and Hugelin can, can pull one off. But uh, yeah, keep a, keep an eye on Devin Levi for uh, Hobie Baker. Is that, your, is that your bold take we're taking away from this? I think so. It's going to be a... I think did Miller win a Hobie Baker Michigan State? I think he I think did. so, right? It's gonna be similar to that. I think so. I'm almost yeah. positive. We'll correct that on the next episode if that's if that's incorrect. I'll, I'll look it up right after. But um, we uh, we have uh, we have a couple of bold predictions. I got Bean Pot winners for Northeastern led by Devin Levi, and we have Hobie Baker winner Devin Levi. So we'll see if we come true uh, if that comes true. And um, you know, at, at this point, it's um, it's in his hands now because seems like he's been dragging that team along a bit but uh <laughs> let's uh yeah. let's keep posted on on that kind of tracking um i'm actually thinking of maybe even doing like some kind of rankings possibly for um uh, you know awards not up because like we have not oliver nadeau tearing it up so let's uh we'll, we'll get creative with it and uh, we'll brainstorm so uh, i'm looking forward to to our episodes coming up here i think we actually had a couple other guests that we discussed previously that we wanted to get on as well um i think it's about it for the housekeeping here so this has been the saber metrics podcast hosted by the charging buffalo my name is bill that's walt we'll catch you on the next one